This is Shaco Art Speak. Hey, welcome to Shaco Art Speak. We're back. Hey, everybody. I don't think we were totally gone, but we're kind of gone. No, nah, well, it depends on what you mean. Like yeah. we were, we were like physically here. Yeah, I feel like sometimes in the year, depending on what season it is, like we're kind of gone. Right. Like I felt like that. Yeah, we had a great episode um, with Rachel Jeffers yes. in our um, current exhibition, and then um, wonderful show. You know, uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, this the life that is being lived by us and so many others seems like it's just bringing greater demands and shifts like, you know, where you're mm -hmm. like, um, it's overwhelming is an overstated word or over overstating something. It's not, it's not merely that it's overwhelming in a kind of a cheap and easy way to say it. It's, it's that, uh, there's a lot happening that you can't, get a handle on. Yeah. And, but also you don't want to be reductive and just demonize or like the two, two options that I feel like that are constantly at play is to demonize everything or also, um, just go headlong into the givenness of what's happening around us globally, yeah. locally at the university level, mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, in both of those come with their own problems. And so then to try to sort of parse it out is why it can get a little like uh, challenging to whether or not you have convictions to parse things out. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause it's like, uh, it's a test of where your grounding for evaluating life is. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what actually do you appeal to, to make decisions ethically? You know, what's your, um, some people call it your world, your worldview. Yeah. Like yeah. what's the worldview by which you, you understand um, meaning and life. And, uh, if that's unclear, it's difficult to get clear on navigating what's going on. You oh, know? Yeah. So all that to say, uh, there's a lot happening. And then we're at the in, uh, middle or back end of the semester as professors. And, um, we've got projects we're working on under wraps that are demanding and mm -hmm. can't, can't kind of all surface right now. So here we are. And one of the, topics that repeatedly has, has come up to us. Um, and my students are talking about, I'm sure your students are talking about it. And a lot of folks are talking about it. Yeah. And, uh, is the whole, um, the strong, vivid emergence of AI, like the seemingly, you know, um, it's funny, like, uh, we go through saturation points. So it's like COVID, 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 Trump, 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 uh, um, protest, 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 you know, mm -hmm. uh, you name it, news just pump, pump, pump. And then all of a sudden it's chat GBT. Yeah. Like almost like clockwork. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and then before you know it, we saturate quickly. Yeah. You said you were saying something like, you know, with the, with the worldview and how you think about things. And all I was thinking about is like just the fatigue of that, That's right? Right. the fatigue that's there. Um, and how it's just, uh, you know, like, Fatigue is a real thing, especially when you talk about information. I mm -hmm. think this plays into the conversation, um, at least a little, little down the road in the conversation. It's like there's such a fatigue to information that we think the only the only thing we can do is like step out. Yeah. You know, so it's like uh, you got folks who are like, uh, I'm so much up in social media. I'm so like I'm doom scrolling through things. I'm checking out other people. And I'm just like envious and everything's negative. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to engage in a positive way or a meaningful way. Instead, what I'm, gonna do, I'm just going to bounce. Yeah. So we say I can either be a part of the thing or I'm out completely. Mm -hmm. um, 
which, you know, I understand because yeah. fatigue is real. And like, you know, you know, at the end of the day, like if you, if you have a long day, maybe you're in the studio, maybe you're doing yard work. Maybe it's just like a, a long day for making like, a pizza, making a pizza, eating several pizzas, whatever yeah. it is that's really tuckered you out for the day. That's right. What you want to do is just sit down. You know, you don't want to be like, yeah. how do I meaningfully engage with the remainder of my day? Like, we don't think that way no. because we are like feast and famine kind of as creatures, mm -hmm. right? We, we go buck wild or we go hibernate. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's, you know, that that's kind of part of this cultural moment. Yeah. <laughs> moment makes it feel like it's a passing thing. Um, kind of is. But this yeah. like cultural moment yeah. uh, is like, I think there's a, there's a huge, huge space of fatigue because we do, we get just punched in the face over and over again with the same topic. You know, it's like you can't get away from the thing. It's yeah. everywhere. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like you're being pressed to just kind of submit to this, um, these ideas that are like brutally forming sort of in mass ways, people's psychology. Mm -hmm. um, it's an imposition of, of, of what to think and how to think and when to think it. Yeah. And it's constantly there because yeah. we are such a... Uh, I would say digitally disabled yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, we've been, we've been disabled in so many ways by yeah. the technology around us um, that we don't even understand like how poorly maybe we're doing things. I, th I thought of this in a real dumb way. And again, I think this relates to the conversation um, is that like, uh, like we do a lot of cooking at home and we enjoy cooking as a family. We include our kids with it. Dr. Um, Snacks meal. hundred percent. It comes back to food maybe more often than not. <laughs> So the, uh, but we do a lot of cooking. We enjoy it. Like we actually view it as like a big part of hospitality, even to our family mm -hmm. um, and other people, but also an expression of love to people It's a meaningful gesture and an activity. So, uh, but one thing I thought the other day, I was like, oh my gosh, this is nuts. Like I remember recipes like my mom made um, or things my dad would grill or like stuff my grandma would make or whatever. And, but I also remember like the objects that went along with them, the mm -hmm. recipe cards, the, the like splotchy, like stained pages on cookbooks, like the, the cultural artifacts of those activities. Yeah. I remember those and I was thinking, Hey, we look up so many things like online, like even our cookbooks kind of stay on a shelf. Yeah. We don't have the recipe cards. We're not like yeah. sharing those recipe cards with people. Yeah, you're not staining those, Pinterest. No, you're not. It's just this like, there's this clean thing over there that just stays like hermetically sealed. Yep in its digital world that doesn't actually interact in any sort of tactile real sense, mm -hmm. like to the humanness of me. Yeah. And I was like, that's weird. That's a crazy kind of thing. Um, so I think, you know, there's, there's a few plot points I think I'm throwing out there yeah, yeah, with yeah, this yeah. that all kind of works with what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 For sure. So like, you know, we've, we've been, alluding to these things. I mean, since the start of the podcast, <laughs> I like, I like alluding, alluding. Yeah, Sometimes we've been, we've been heavily, alluding. heavily alluding, heavily stating. And so, uh, you know, uh, a friend of ours, I even said, hey, have you guys done any talks on AI specifically? And it's funny. It's like, uh, the amount of times that's popped up now in the last couple of weeks is yeah. kind of comical to me. I'm like, okay, well, we at least can have like a snapshot conversation about it. Mm -hmm. So we're probably going to do like a two, two like short parters on mm -hmm. this. So I think, I think the, the, because, because we can't get our minds around it. Yeah. Then I can't make giant declarative statements, you know? Um, but I do think we need to try to get a handle on what, 
what is happening? <clears throat> you know, so I think that's our big question is what is happening? What will happen kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and what is happening will influence what will happen. Yeah. You know? um, and I think that's the big idea. That's the big idea. So AI, what what is happening? What will happen? And so I think in this first part, man, I just wanted to kind of go back and uh, preface that part of the way people are seeing it, it seems, and it would seem to me, is that this is a, you know, this is one of those significant changes in yeah. in the way humans exist, mm-hmm. um, how we how we understand things, and how we how we know things, so epistemically, and so like to go back would be like um, the uh, fire, the wheel, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know the printing press uh, is pretty paradigmatic, yeah. um, significant changes, mm-hmm. uh, largely for the good, you know, um, and then you have the industrial revolution, yeah. That's, extreme fascination with motion, bodies in motion, and, and industrializing, uh, mechanizing production, and for, for the greater good conversation, mm-hmm. um, by and large. Um, with the industrial revolution, you get things like um, tanks, and I don't know, like you get other things that come with it, right? The modernization right. of war mm-hmm. time stuff. Yeah. Um, so you, you get these tensions, you got nuclear, yeah. Is, a, is a big one. You mm-hmm. blow up people and then you got um, uh, nuclear is used for energy. Mm-hmm. So there is a rhythm of big paradigmatic advances sometimes being problematic for um, humans mm-hmm. uh, for a time or more because they can be used for destructive purposes and yeah. then they, they kind of level into something civilizing. So you could argue that there's uh, civilizing potentials when it comes to nuclear. I know it's a huge debate. Um and then you got the internet. Yep. Um, and kind of in my mind, and I might be wrong here, a subsidiary of the internet, it would be like the smartphone yeah, subsidiary. Yeah. But but these are galvanizing, um, paradigm shifting, shaping of people, uh, times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each of those has, has seemed to have a myriad of changes. Yeah, and I think those times, like if you if you say, okay, well, yeah, those things change, but you know, you're sitting here in hindsight, and you can kind of see that. That's right. Um, but I think that that that's that's a that's a that's a sad argument. I think for the most part, be like, yeah, we're sitting here in hindsight, but it's also these things were being talked about at the time. Yes, in this way. That's right. Um, so it wasn't. It's not just that we can look back now and say, oh, here's these things, and now I have a better vantage point by which to judge them or to discuss them. But I think that if we say like, well, what, what is, what are some similar places or similar things along these lines, um, that what, what was similar between all of them? And one of them is there, there is a gigantic, uh, evangelism of these things around the idea of ability, right? Yeah. Like now we have increased ability. That's right. And so it's like, now we are able to do, uh, more things, right? So there is, um, when you look within like even the modernist trajectory, there is always the promise of a utopic end point, mm-hmm. right? That this is getting us to a better place. Yeah. So there's that. So it's always tied up with the, like they think the, the primary conversation of this is better. Mm-hmm. Unqualified. This is better. Yeah. And one of the ways I think that gets talked about a lot is each of these things, especially if you've gone through any sort of like media history, art history, tech history, whatever sort of like field specific history is they're going to use a a phrase that works in that ability space as like the democratization of X, Mm -hmm. right? So it's the democratization of media, the democratization of tech, the democratization Mm -hmm. of access, blah, 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 right? Giving 
a thing to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, uh, it, at this point, I have no, no way I want to point on those. I just want to say that those tend to be, from what I've studied and seen, those tend to be two kind of uh, modes of conversation that happen with mm-hmm. all of these periods. Yeah. Ability and democratization. So we can do more and then more people can do more. Yeah. So, okay. So I like that. Um, we, we've talked about this. We think about progress as I, I think in the easy, lazy way, we all can kind of do it. You know, any of us, we, we, we think about progress as like, um, a linear, forward momentum. Right. And, um, but if you took, uh, so like if you just go dumb, which is my favorite thing to do, it's like the, the earth spins at a axis point. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's moving through space actually. Yeah. Encapsulated in what, like a whole, a whole set of factors that are also in relationship to it based on like gravity right. and, and so, but this larger conglomerate of factors, this cosmic, you know, um, thing, mm-hmm. this relation, these relationships have their own independent stations of movement. Yeah. You know, so it's like fixed and not fixed. Mm-hmm. And so like the earth is like a, a spaceship going through outer space, going Mach 80. Yeah, yeah. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> well, so, so it's in motion, but it's not like the earth is purposed mm-hmm. in uh, like that we know of that there's yeah. a place it's arriving at as right, a right. physical object. Mm-hmm. So that is super dumb. But we're, so we're like inertia, like we're like growing stuff on a rock that we can't experience moving at all. Yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. So in that respect, like the earth is not progressing to a different place in and of itself. No. It is moving. It's constantly in motion. It is going in direction. It's yeah. going to a place, but whether or not that place is better or worse yeah. is, is maybe even inconsequential. My favorite question is why isn't there anything it ever runs into? But that's like, it's a weird thought. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. This is weird. The, the thing is it gets really strange, like physics and, um, my brain is slow today, but outer space and, mm-hmm. Gosh, man, there's a lot, a lot to it that's really strange. If you, if you start asking questions like, why yes. doesn't this happen? Why doesn't that happen? And what's that? Yeah. So anyhow, so I, but I say that to say like that is a context by which we exist in a certain sense. You can't really make a lot of sense meaning of it. Um, it's very hypothetical if you try to, you try to do it that way. Like you try to go empirical, mm-hmm. you can't get to a certain point of meaning. Uh, a lot of times. Um, you know, we defer to like scientists to say what's meaningful, but so it's just to say that we live in a, in a, in a literal space that, um, for the time being is a, is in constant motion and we don't experience the motion at all. Yeah. And there's, there is, um, it's not like there's someone inside the earth driving the ship. Right. In, in, in the kind of way that, you know, we think about somebody driving a car, mm-hmm. you know, like that kind of thing. So it's not a, and, and I, and I'm not someone who thinks that the earth is sentient in the sense that it actually, uh, has, it's a mind, uh, right. You know, with life growing on top of its head or something like that. Like yeah, dumb, yeah. just dumb. I'm just talking dumb here. Just, just kind of like thinking dumbly out loud. Um, so we seem to grow up as humans in a riso, you know, there's like Deleuze and Gatai, which I'm not a big Deleuze Gatai, um, rhizomatic rhizome, 
um, or Qatari, whatever his name is. Um, but we do, th- things are like kind of rhizomatic. So like things do rise for a time and then fall and then mm-hmm. they, the seed breaks open and then, and then we rise again. So I think of humans more like waking up to um, varied circumstances mm-hmm. um, and because humans transfer knowledge, but also humans don't transfer knowledge. So like, like there's things that gets passed forward, but it's not all conscious to our, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are an updated version of our predecessors in like a, Oh, I know everything my father knows within myself right. as a starting point. And now I'm going to add to that and pass it on to my kid. And my kid knows everything. So we don't compound in knowledge within our own um, uh, bodies, let's say. Mm-hmm. So so we're more like crops that grow up healthy or not healthy in different seasons. Yeah. And within the lifetime of the crop, the crop grows and then it produces fruit or whatever it is. And, and what it produces um, pulls, so, pulls from the soil that the crop is growing in and pulls from the atmosphere that the crop is growing in. I know the analogy is not going to work all the way, but um, and what things are is what they are, but they, they may bear evidence of the health of the larger context. So they may have trace minerals that otherwise wouldn't be yeah. affecting the, um, the organic nature of the thing, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, it's not so much that the the thing is progressing. Yeah. It's just it's undergoing um, various effects due to um, the context that it's in, the day that it's in, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a bad year because we had a lot of storm. Right. So the crops suffered because of the storm. And the next year, the weather was perfect, so the crops grew differently. And so I, like I said, I know this doesn't work perfectly, but what I'm trying to do, and I've talked about this in the past is say that I don't know that we're progressing, mm-hmm. but we are undergoing changes. Right. And we rise and fall underneath the context of the changes that we have some influence over mm-hmm. that and those changes exist external to us by and large. Um, and they're almost like, uh, so like, you know, I grew up with the, uh, rotary phone, Mm-hmm. And my kids growing up with the um, uh, iPhone, mm-hmm. so that's a difference. A set of ethical differences, a set of behavioral differences, all come with that as an axiom uh, or a, a starting experience for them. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, we have differing experiences, and my experiences didn't transfer over to them. Right now, here's what did though: our common ontology, mm-hmm. so our, our humanness, is that is the kind of thing that is responsive to that which is. So we're passive recipients of that which is. Mm-hmm. So in every case, we passively receive that which is. And then from our uh, passive recipient aid agency, we we are then um, to various degrees assertive with it. Yeah. So out of a passive um, disposition, then we assert and do things and we um, uh initiate mm-hmm. so we're in, we initiate with so like when my kid goes to initiate with the phone um and i go to initiate with the phone i picked up the phone and made a circle and went back to zero and the operator answered and i would right. get in trouble for talking to the operator when i was two mm-hmm. you know my kid initiates same behavior and he's clicking and he talks to siri yeah so the difference is in the objects that mm-hmm. we have created over that time but what is less different is the ontology of the human. 
Yeah. And I think that's important when we talk about the ontology within a conversation about this and like the, the effects socially, economically, ethically, morally, uh, of, of technology in whatever respect. I mean, it's good to remember the technology is a, is a, is an agnostic kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? So the pencil you pick up and write with is technology. Um, even though we myopically think of it as like, Oh, tech is only like this super digital, this thing, mm -hmm. the newest, latest thing. And it's like, nah, there's a, there's a ton of technology that got you to go from your home to somewhere else. Yep. Right. There's a ton of technology that allowed you to sleep well at night. Yeah. A ton of technology that allowed you to not have to hunt for your food. And if you did hunt for your food, a ton of technology allowed you to do that. That's right. So technology is all over the place. So if we start talking about technology, we get into a place where it's kind of like fish talking about water, um, where you're just kind of like, yeah, it's what we're in. How well can we really discern what's going that's on? That's right. That's right. So when we talk about ontology, the thing that's nice about that is we can say, uh, along your kind of uh, timeline of, of those marks throughout history, if we go back to the printing press, and let's say that something in history happened where the printing press could never exist, we would still be ontologically dealing with objects mm -hmm. in a creative way based on our ability, mm -hmm. um, we would still be doing that. Yeah. Like, because we would still be the same we could, because we're human. Right. We wouldn't so, have, yeah. we wouldn't have tapped out that and been like, yeah. well, I guess we're just going to do the same crap for the rest of humanity now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you would have done it. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, some might even argue that would maybe be a definition of creativity, right? Yeah. New ways to engage with objects that already exist. You could talk about that within a creative space. Your ability to do that is a way that creativity works. Yeah. Um, and so when we talk about ontology, it really gets us to, a, a in a lot of ways, a, a better conversation about these things because then it becomes uh, much more humanizing mm -hmm. in the sense of like, oh, how, how are we engaging instead of how are we allowing our technology to disengage us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it puts, a, it puts imperatives on the table and that's we're passive recipients and out of that we are then um initiative initiative takers yeah uh, responsive initiative takers in other words we're uh, response able and so we're able to respond respond and in our response we initiate new things which is really what uh making and creativity is in that sense yeah um we make relationships we fold relationships we make love we don't make love like we make war we try to make peace you know we see like we, we <laughs> but always first and foremost in our ontology which is to say it's it's to say that there are things that are constitutive of our um fundamental makeup as humans like what is a human mm -hmm. and that's a question that needs to be really talked about but you know we'll get there at some point um in in greater detail when we can put some real legs to it but it is it is something most people assume and then they narrate uh, they, there's a way in which we come back to narrative and we narrate to ourselves what's happening in ways that accords with a lot of times what, where we're at and what we'd like to see happen or, um, you know, uh, how, how do we, um, you know, how do we, uh, process our feelings and, uh, excuse ourselves from the table or actually, you know, come to the table uh, what are, what is our worldview? Like, how do we, how do we account for the data we're experiencing? How do we make sense of it? And, um, and out of, out of that, we make things to help us make sense. So we didn't get here overnight with right. AI, but we've been wanting, um, we've been, I think humans have, have, are, are prone to want to put the burden of responsibility onto someone or something else all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so the person who maybe is superstitious 
puts certain levels of responsibility for concerns that are too big for the person to bear on like a rabbit's foot. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like we really yeah. are like, I'm not mocking that. I'm saying it's deep within us. I, yeah. The most atheistic, uh, I know a professor is super, I mean, aggressive atheist. And he, um, if he doesn't eat a piece of gum when he goes on an airplane, he is afraid the airplane's going to crash. And I'm like, you have a strict materialistic perspective. You don't permit any kind of supernatural, no, no soul, no nothing. So when you go to eat that piece of gum, you, what are you appealing to? Yeah. Because you self-style is an intellectual that uh, works through empirical data, but there's no nothing, no evidence, no nothing that says gum chewing by you ensures that the plane doesn't crash. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a strange admission to the fact that there must be more and that you have to shift certain fears and pressures onto something else or someone else or some something else to bear those burdens. And even if it means compromising logic and and uh, um, common sense, let's say, or, you know, mm-hmm. your worldview. Yeah. That's uh, a discrepancy in your worldview. We all got them. Yeah, so yeah. we all, we all uh, are going to walk in a certain amount of contradiction as we work things out because of, uh, you know, for me, I think that, you know, in my worldview, there's a kind of brokenness and mm-hmm. uh, self-righteousness that causes, causes us to fall away from what we ought to be and mm-hmm. what I think we were made to be. And so like, for me, that's, that's kind of like on the table is like, um, um, we malfunction because we put ourselves in a place to malfunction. But we're, so I do think we're purpose beings and I do think we're meant for things. And as that's warped, um, we put a lot of pressure on objects mm-hmm. to do for us, like that piece of gum, yeah. what we long for, but cannot bear within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at, I guess, trying to think through this conversation, um, you know, there's always naysayers. Mm -hmm. There's always people that um, are like, no, 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 that tool, you know, that's going to be bad. And then you have the utopic hopeful folks and I'm pretty hopeful about some things. So I relate. It's like, no, 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 we're, this is going to, this is going to mean that more people can read. Mm -hmm. And how can that be bad? You know? Yeah, Yeah. And true enough super grateful for the printing press. Yeah, you know 100%. I mean? I mean, for letter formation, for, mm-hmm. I mean, not only did it, it produce the ability to read, to produce great works of literature, it, it made them widely available. It, it allowed for um, the systematize, systemize, how do you say it? The, um, the creation of systems to allow for efficient and consistent um, production of, of text. It uh, probably eliminated about a bunch of ancient scribes Mm-hmm. who no longer had to like burn their work if they made a mistake transcribing like the holy scriptures or yeah, thanks, ancient text. Yeah. Put people out of work. Yeah. You put some people out of work, you know? So that's, yeah. that's the point is like, so that's the fear is like, well, it's going to put people out of work and that's mm-hmm. true. It, it probably will. Um, the question is, are we a flourishing people such that there's op- optimal human opportunities to uh, still be had? And how do you narrate that to yourself? Is this just a raw hurling through outer space progress is progress qualitative Mm. um, all the way through. Well, it doesn't seem to be, it seems like um, there's things that get better. I think there's advancements. I think there's changes. I think there's improvements. Mm -hmm. And then I think some changes, advancements, improvements complicate to new problems. Yeah. So like we could be at a point where we don't have antibiotics anymore because our body is completely becoming like immune to them. Yeah that could be a problem based on a helpful advancement. 
you know, like that's not progress in, in some kind of like, uh, exponential, um, increasing going in one direction away. That's like a rise and fall. Mm-hmm. That's more like there's a time where this crop was grown well and it was providing great nutrients and now it's withering. Wow. Mm-hmm. We got to figure it out, you know? Yeah. And it's always, you have those moments where it's like, if, if, if you stop thinking, um, that everything is progress, if you get that sort of like, uh, cultural indoctrination out of your head and you just step outside of it and you look and you say, Oh, then that means that at every moment there's a nice point where I can understand that I am in the present and the present is that, that fulcrum space between the past and the future. Mm-hmm. Now, what I mean by that is that the, whatever is being made currently is an indictment of what was made previously mm-hmm. or what was previously. Um, because as, as humans, we have a very difficult time just doing things that do not have relationship to anything else. Mm-hmm. Like we just, I can't think of anything that we do like that. Yeah. And when we do things like that, most of the time we'll be like, oh, this is kind of an aberrant thing, or maybe there's like an issue or a problem here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like if, so you, if you went outside in your neighborhood and nothing was on fire and you had a guy screaming in your street, so it's, my house is burning down, but there was no house burning down. You'd be like, oh, something's messed up here. Yeah. This is not in relation to anything. So, uh, the present always has some relationship to the past, but then it also always has a responsibility toward the future. Yes. So we have both those things we think about and what we tend to do, especially within these conversations of progress or technology or whatever else it might be, is that we forget one or both of those things. Mm -hmm. So we tend to sit at the present and we go, oh, this is a thing that's just kind of come about Mm -hmm. and it's good. Because it is yeah, we, for the we future. Relativize it. Or yeah. we might even flip those things. That's right. And say, oh, this is in response to the future we want. Um, and I am qualitatively judging the past. And so it, if, if we don't do these things, we, we run into weird spaces um, where we just stop actually thinking well through, should the thing exist yes. for the future? Yes. And is the past actually what we say it was so that this thing needs to arise? Right. Um, but it also, uh, on the flip side of it, it allows us an evaluative measure mm-hmm. for the things that we create. Right. So even though we're talking about tech and everything else like that, like this, this is a studio talk in a lot of ways mm-hmm. about how you make what you make for, right. to what purpose, to what ends, uh, to yep. what benefit, to what detriment. Um, so it provides an evaluative structure where we can say, Oh, was this thing made in relationship to something coming from the past? Like what is the relationship of this to the past? Mm-hmm. And is that a valuable relationship? Yeah. Is it a is it a value heavy is relationship? It a disruptive relationship, a severing relationship. Exactly. Is it is it an arrogant relationship where you're assuming uh, total snobbery and no relationship? Mm-hmm. You know, like just and then what's that in relationship to? Typically, it's to you and your ego or whatever you want to call right. that. Um, whatever somebody, whatever paradigm you're working out of in terms of your perspective on things. So it's, I, I call it a kind of self-righteousness. And then um, in what responsibility yeah. is it, are you sitting with that thing yep. for the future? So if we look at just like the arts, somebody is to make an object. All right, well, they're going to make an object out of some uh, internal conversation or external conversation they've been having in some respect with a thing or a person or whatever yep. else, right? Whether it's materially, uh, relationally, whatever it may be, there's going to be some sort of, of thing that brought them to that point of that object. 
Well, now what is that object going to be? Is it going to sit on your wall? Is it going to go in a closet behind a bunch of clothes? You're going to sell it. You're going to be in a gallery. Like what is the responsibility towards it? Because that actually impacts what you look like in the future, Mm -hmm. what you're doing, how you behave, how you can behave, what things are on the table or off the table based on abilities, actions, whatever. We do this in a basic sense in a studio practice. Mm -hmm. But then we get to something like tech and we're just like, oh, this thing popped up and now I need to embrace it or I will be left behind. It's like, cool, you just threw away all your agency. Yeah. In a main huge way. So ontologically, you just eviscerated Mm -hmm. what we are Mm -hmm. so that you can do what? Yeah. Be an idiot? You're suppressing, you're suppressing um, the truth in a... um, problematic way yeah for a kind of um deterministic it's like a lazy determinism yeah. it's like a lazy um and sometimes it's it's a re, it's a rebelliousness towards what you're suppressing it's like i don't want there to be anything else i want something right. else to bear my responsibilities mm-hmm. i don't want to answer to anything that might say that I am problematic. So I want to only answer to something that doesn't demand of me things that I don't want demanded of me. Right. You know, but affirms what I want to affirm. And so it's sort of like the, it's like making a God in your own image kind of thing or, um, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like an enlarged version of it's the Greek amplified humanity through human longing expressed in like whatever embodied form you create. So, you, you know, it's like really just a you on steroids and you're like, I want to be in charge. So I want to make a thing that's like me that's in charge. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is when we ask the question, what's happening, what will happen? And people are saying, well, what do you think about AI? Well, it's like, this is the context is here's the, here's the questions. Maybe we'll take them on the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. So the, good. The, the questions are, um, so this is sort of the context that we're just kind of giving some context. So the big questions are there's general AI and generative AI. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people that talk about things being like, there's always the people that are naysayers towards tools until they normalize. And then they come in late and there's people that are early adopters. There's mm-hmm. people that kind of come on in the middle. Um, and we have the same ontologically, we have the same responses to, uh, uh, a drill, a power drill that we do to AI, Mm -hmm. you know, just, that's just what humans do. I mean, there's reasons for that, but that's no different. What's different is what they're responding to. And then there is what's happening, what will happen and what are the implications of what's happening and what will happen? What does that mean for our lives? So uh what what we've talked about at least is we just try to create a historical timeline loosely generic very you know simple here we're not you know deep diving at all um and maybe even misspoke on some things i don't know but if you look at these points that are laid out like from the wheel to fire to or whatever fire to wheel to um uh printing press to um locomotion industrial revolution uh nuclear mm-hmm. um internet, cell phone, those all uh, have been brought into the place of being tools, if you will, tools and technology in a, in a sense, right? Like, like the way we're talking about it or the, they employ technology to bring about their full facilitation or they're used to bring about the full facilitation of certain tech. Mm-hmm. And all of those have served to a, a point of increase yeah. and um, abundance bringing in a certain way or another. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you can make arguments. They also brought maybe some problems. I mean, I don't know. You could argue like 
uh, fire burns down houses. You know, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you can make an argument for reach, right? Nuclear bombs, like human destruction um, and uh, cell phones, loss of a certain um, a suppression and a dumbing down of a certain aspect of ourselves. Yeah. At the, ex- uh, at the exchange of the information being housed somewhere else, let's say. Mm-hmm for the sake of expediency and portability and individuality and they're messy conversations and they're all paradigmatic. Um, but they always get rationalized as an evolutionary progressive step forward, right? That is inevitable. It's always a deterministic response. Well, it's inevitable. My question is how do we know that it's inevitable? And, and, and that's a big one, but, um, the questions we want to ask, uh, and going into the next episode then is, is AI just the next step in the advent of tools that will be an exponential change and in growth in certain places, or is it something else? Yeah. And yeah. That, I think those are the questions that people are trying to figure out. And so like, so like to put it a different way, is AI more like the internet is more like industrial revolution is more like, or is it actually uh, uh, something completely unlike those and i think that's what people are wrestling with yeah so that's i think that's what we'll try to drop into in the next episode definitely yeah because my question with that is if if this is inevitable where does that inevitability get us exactly so yeah so we're going to pick up there next time uh like always we do love you you're a fantastic audience we'll catch you next time bye bye you've been listening to shaco art speak a production of shaco art space we are an independent nonprofit art gallery in richmond virginia We can be found online at ShacoArtSpace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.